0: Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. Colossians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. And we'll have our children and young people dismissed at this time. Before I forget, there is a new uh, memory... Chapter Psalm 49, Uh, there is a sheet on the back table and uh, that will be beginning this Sunday. Brother Zachary will lead lead the effort in in, uh, memorizing that. And it's wonderful to have the Williams family back with us. A long, long trip and still recovering from jet lag, but uh, great to have you back. Colossians 3, chapter 10 through 14, the title of the message tonight is, is putting on the new man, putting on the new man. Starting in verse 10, Colossians 3, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness, Of mine, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for those that have gathered. We're thankful that we can gather freely and assemble as we do now. Dear Lord, again, we thank you for the blessings that you gave us in 2023. Dear Lord, the things that we learn uh, may it be just not something in our minds, but something that we apply in in our everyday lives in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's for whatever we do, may we do for your honor and your glory. For it's in your Son's precious and holy name that we do pray. Amen. You know, as we contemplate... This new year, 2024, we always have a tendency to focus, or some people do, on New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions. You know, really anything that we realize, you know, we cannot be successful in keeping it apart from God. John 15:5 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him. And the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. New Year's resolutions, you know, when we start talking about New Year's resolutions, people will usually do them uh, on December 31st, thinking about looking into the next year. And the resolution is usually focused on some sort of self-improvement, or I'm going to act differently, or I'm going to go ahead and be more nice, or however somebody, whatever resolution you're going to put forward. You know, we're not the only ones who think about uh, resolutions. Uh, the Babylonians. Uh, had resolutions. They would go ahead on uh, on the change of the year and they would pray to their God and uh, uh, as part of the New Year resolution, what they would do is, is they would they would give back anything that they borrowed throughout the year and they would pay their debts. That was the resolution that they had. Uh, the Romans, they had a promise to their God, Janus, and that's, of course, where we get our, our name January from. Uh, the medieval... The knights there, they had something that they called the peacock vow. Uh, They did this on uh, Christmas season, and what it is, what what they did, they took this vow to reaffirm their commitment to chivalry. In the 1700s, various Protestant denominations, what they would do is they would have watch night services on December 31st all the way through uh, the 1st of January, and they would go ahead and discuss and address new resolutions. United States, since the depression, many people have taken on this idea of resolution. The percentage has gone up from 25% of the population to 50% of the population now make resolutions. You know, in some way it's part of our human experience that uh, we have a determination to change. We want to go ahead and improve or we want to start something new. Unfortunately, eight out of ten resolutions never make it. People will just give up after a short period of time. You know, the question is, have you made any resolutions? You know, I have done in the past, and I find a week later. What happened to those resolutions? You know, deep down, we want to be a better person than we are. Or you might say we want to be more decent, or we might want to be more generous, or more spiritual, fulfilled, or any other of these things. You know, sometimes we're like the toy soldiers that, who want to be real, and we know that we're destined to be more than what we are. But it's interesting that, you know, we can't go back and change our beginning, but we can go ahead and start and make a brand new ending. Let me say that again. We, we can't change our beginning, but we can certainly go back and now start a new ending. You know, some of us would say, I sure would like to have a fresh start with my Christian life this year. I don't know if you're like me. I certainly would like that. You know, when I think back on the mistakes that I have made over this last year or some of the setbacks that we've had. And sometimes, however, we have a tendency to focus on those setbacks. Or the things that, the negative things that have happened, or the failures, and they enslave us. And we start thinking about that, about instead of the things looking into the future. The good news is God says, you know, I, I want you to have a fresh start. I, I want you to have a new beginning. And I want you to do something new in your life. You know, I'm so glad of that. I'm, a, I'm glad that we have a God of second chances, and third chances, and fourth chances. And so on and so on. You know, when I think of uh, how how he has been patient with me and a long suffering that he has shown. You know, it's exciting to to know that God's willing to give us a fresh start, a fresh start and a new beginning. And last year you might have said, well, I'm going to go, (coughs) I'm going to have a, a closer relationship with God. I'm going to go ahead and read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more, pray more earnestly, or I'm going to get more involved in the church. I'm going to be here for soul winning because it's important to go out and reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to spend more quality time with my family and friends. And the list could go on. And so we end up then making mistakes. And then it hinders us from wanting to do the things that we want to do. But there's good news, the good news. I was reading in Isaiah, Isaiah 43:18, "Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old." In other words, many times we have a tendency to think back on what we had done, either good or bad, but sometimes we have a tendency to dwell on that. And God says, "Forget about what happened." I mean, forget in the sense that we're to learn from our mistakes. But don't dwell on that. Don't think about the past. Instead, look at the new things. Look at the opportunities that exist. And some people think that God is stuck on their past. In other words, he's only looking to remind you of the things that you have done wrong. And that's not the case. That's not the case. It's just like the, 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 uh, the letter from, uh, that uh, Brother Corey just read from Brother Marzouk. There was a, a lady in there that he mentioned, one of the ladies in there. Uh, her name is Alam, A-H-L-A-M. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, Alam. And she had been coming to the church for six months, six months to the church. And she was sat in, the, sat in the pews, very quiet, never said anything. And she went to a ladies' meeting. And it was after the ladies' meeting she approached Sister Marzouk, said, there's something important I need to, I need to talk to you about. And she started telling Sister Marzouk, and here's what she said, I am one of the farthest people you can imagine from God, but I have been listening to the preaching at church for several months, and I am now full of joy, and I'm changing inside, but I don't know how to explain what I feel. You see, what was happening is she was stuck in the past. She was always thinking about the things, the, what occurred before, and that was prohibiting her from for looking ahead. And then she started to experience, she started to listen to the Word, and then she started to experience that joy. And Sister Marzouk said, I know where you get that joy from. I know where you get that joy from. And she talked to her about the source of her newfound joy, Jesus Christ, and talked to her what it meant to be saved. And she prayed that day, accepting Christ as her Savior. You know, some of us have gone out soul winning, and we've knocked on doors, and people have said, You know, I want to be saved, but if you knew about my past, if you knew some of the things that I have done. And so what are they doing? They're focusing on the past, not the future. God doesn't want us to focus on the past like that. You know, we need to understand that God is far more interested in our future than he is in our past. So how do we do that? How do we make a fresh start? You know, I don't know if you like acrostics. Acrostic is, a, is a, uh, a phrase, and usually what you do is you start with the first letter. So actually we're going to use the word start. Start. Where do I start? Start. Start. For S, stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Boy, we are good at, well, I'll just talk to myself. Making excuses. We make Excuses. Or we put things off. Stop making excuses. T, take an inventory of your life. Every once in a while we need to do that. We need to do a self-reflection. I mean, we're pretty good at judging other people, at looking at other people's mistakes, or where they are in their lives. But many times we need to hold up that mirror to ourselves and just look at us. And then A, act in faith. Act in faith. You know, many times we feel like, oh, I've got to have something evident in front of me so that I can believe it. Act in faith. R, refocus my thoughts. You know, don't dwell on the past. Refocus your thoughts towards the future. What is it that you can do? Don't get stuck in the rut of the past. And then T, trust God. Trust God. Start. Stop making excuse. Take an inventory of your life. Act in faith refocus your thoughts and T trust God those things are very easy to, to think about that's where our focus should be so where do we do what do we start with well I think one of the things that we start with is submission submission boy that's one word people don't like to submit don't like to submit that means I've got to give up a certain amount of authority or power that I have and I have to submit to a higher authority or to somebody else submit Submit. You know, that's, a, that's, that's one of those English verbs people just have a hard time sometimes with. But when you think about submission, it starts as an early age. Children at home, who are they to submit to? Their parents. And then, of course, when you're at school, who are you to submit to? Teachers. Unfortunately, I see when I'm substitute teaching out in the public schools, I see where there is they are not, they are not submitting to teachers in that regard. in some cases, the students are outright combative with the teachers. What happened? what's happened, and especially over the last several years, but more so, but it's moving in that direction. Children feel they're entitled at, the, at that age and that they feel they, they are empowered to go ahead and they should ask you know there's nothing wrong with asking questions but being combative in that with in that sense to teachers there's no submission in that regards and of course when we get out into the working world we're going to have bosses we're going to have managers and we're to be submit and when we're here at church we're to submit to god of course in all of these situations we're to submit to god you know there are times you just have to submit submit i mean one of the Examples that show that really brings that out is one where there was a captain on uh, on a ship on the ocean and he sees a a glint of light and he tells the radio operator, "Send this message, alter your course ten degrees to the north a few seconds later, a message comes back: alter your Course, 10 degrees to the south. The captain was kind of incensed. How is it that somebody's not following my direction? So he's told the radio operator, "Uh, send this message. Alter your course, 10 degrees to the north. I'm a captain. And what came back was, alter your course, 10 degrees to the south. This is seaman third class Jones. Oh, now the captain was really angry. And he said, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. This is a battleship. Came back a few seconds later. Alter your course 10 degrees to the south. This is a lighthouse. Sometimes you just have to submit, right? You can't fight what's in front of you. Something like that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. This is a familiar passage Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. There's reasons to submit. Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23, starting in 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doth the will of my Father which is in heaven... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. In other words, those that have not submitted. So how do we submit to God? How do we submit to God? You know, what is, what's required to submit to God? Well, there are many things, but three of them you might consider is is that we submit by resisting. We submit by resisting. We submit by moving, and we submit by grieving. So let me take the first one. Submit by resisting. Who are we resisting? James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know we have a professional... A professional on our side when it comes to dealing with Satan? That professional is God. I like what C.S. Lewis, you know, I, I read a lot of C.S. Lewis. I, I really like him as an author. And there's something that he wrote. He says, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. You know, there's always this tension that's going on, that exists. And there, where are we? In the middle of this. You know, I don't think that we give the devil enough credit for all the evil that's going on in the world. He's behind all the evil. I mean, when you think of murder and crimes and violence and abuse and wickedness and all of the things that are going on. And the more we submit to the Lord, the less we... We'll have to worry about that. He alone is our shield and our comforter and our strength. You know, as we learned in Sunday school this last Sunday, we were talking about uh, Christ's second coming. And during the course leading up uh, to the millennium, we find that Satan is then bound for a thousand years. Satan's bound for a thousand years. And Satan... (coughs) You know he's going to take on any form that he can. Prior to that, to go ahead and go ahead and damn someone's soul. And his position, Satan's position, is so exalted that Michael the archangel would not even accuse him. When you look in Jude chapter uh, Jude nine, not Jude chapter nine, but Jude nine, Michael the archangel says, "The Lord rebuke thee." Notice he says, "The Lord rebuke thee." You know, rather than personally, personally going ahead and cursing the powerful angel, Satan, even though in a fallen status angel, Michael deferred to the ultimate sovereign authority, and that is the power of God. And that's the supreme illustration of exactly how we as Christians should act. Never, believers are not to address devil and the demons on their own, but to address and deal with them through the power of God. So we submit, or by and by resisting, we we resist the devil. The other thing is, is we submit by moving. That's either physically moving or changing our ways. You know, we talk, we talked about the missionaries. You know, when we think of our missionaries and a missionary family, they will get up and move from one place to another, having to learn a new language, having to learn a new culture, uh, and and many times uh, it is not easy. Going into a brand new area, brand new culture, and having to deal and then starting up and maybe not seeing a convert for months, years, and maybe even a decade, but still staying at it because of love and obedience. Willing to move. James 4, eight: come near to God and he will come near to you. You know, no one likes to move from city to city. I don't know many people that do. I I know of, of, us, of us who were in the military or, or in the military. So, you know, sometimes it's exciting for us to move because of new job or new adventure or things like that. But I can tell you that uh, I think that none of my children went into the military because they just got tired of moving. You know, they, they got to a point where they just said, hey... We like our friends. We like staying in one location. We like this house or we like this area. And the older they got, the less were the likely that they wanted to move. I remember when my father was in the Army, uh, we don't, in the military, you don't move as often as we did. I think we moved every 18 months, 18 months. We were always, every 18 months, two years, um, uh, Linda went to 17 different schools in her first 11 years in school. 17 different schools. You know, people just don't like to move. <clears throat> Moving's a pain, and it's a lot of work. And moving, But moving from where we are to where God is also is, amount, is, is work, is work from where we are. Because some people don't want to give up where they are. They're satisfied where they are. I like the bubble I'm in. Don't burst that bubble. I'm in that area. I'm in my comfort zone. Now you want me to go outside of that comfort zone. You want me to take on different responsibilities. You want me to take on an authority. You want me to talk to others. Well, I'm shy. I don't want to talk to others. You know, these are, these are things, that, uh, things that we're to do and we're, we're to move and act. And some people don't want to repent. Some people like what they're doing. Some people are having too much fun in this world to repent. They don't want to give up what they're doing. Again, something I read from C.S. Lewis. There are two kinds of people. Those who say, God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. Two different type of people. Thy will be done, or hey, have it your own way, and then suffer the consequences. Forty years ago, Time Magazine uh, featured on their cover story a story about five missionaries. Now, I don't know if Time Magazine now would ever cover, have a cover story of missionaries. I mean, they, a lot of those magazines have moved in completely different directions. But 40 years ago, this was in 19, 1982, they covered a story about uh, five missionaries. One of those missionaries was, his name was J. Russell Morse, J. Russell Morse. And his family, and they had worked on the border of China and Tibet and Burma, and he went back there just before the communists took over central Central and in the interior of China, and it wasn't long before the communists came to him and said, "Hey, come with us." And he said, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, 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 Let me at least get you know some bedding or clothing or what you know whatever." No, 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 just come with us. We'll take good care of you. Well, of course he knew exactly what kind of care he was going to get. You know, from them. 18 months he was in jail, 15 months in solitary confinement. The only light and air was from a small hole in a cell with no windows, had a straw for bed. They would go ahead and slide one time a day a tray of food through the bottom of the door. He didn't have a Bible, he didn't have books. In fact, they even took away his glasses so he couldn't even see. He couldn't communicate with anybody for 15 months. In his memoirs later on, he says, you know, the only thing that helped me get through my, uh, keep my sanity during that period was the messages or the, the verses that I remember of the Bible or the hymns that I remember singing. And one verse that kept me going he said was Philippians four, six and seven. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know he wrote if there was a time to be anxious. It it was when I was in prison. If there ever was a time when it was difficult to pray or to be thankful for, it was in prison. But he said, I kept repeating those words in my mind over and over and over again. You know, when J. Russell Morse came out of prison, he didn't have to be deprogrammed in any way. You see, God gave him the peace that transcends all understanding. So we submit by resisting the devil. We do it by submitting to moving. And we submit by grieving. Grieving. James chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, which means grieve, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. You're going to talk about washing your hands. I'm not talking about this type of washing your hands. James is talking about a different kind of cleanliness. You know, we need cleansing. Another word for that is purification. True repentance. Asking for cleansing. It's a matter of surrendering. You know, when you think of the world... And um, and what they find funny. The sin that they find funny. And you see that in a lot of late night talk shows. Or it doesn't even have to be late at night anymore. Um, sometimes a person who's really seeking God is really upset. I mean, you can be convicted. Um, and when this grieving that we're talking about here is where you really are horrified or your heart is broken over the direction... Oh, that people are going. Or maybe yourself are going. Or maybe the world is going. That's the grief that we're talking about here. Grieving over sins and grieving over the sins of the world. D.L. Moody said this. He said, We may easily be too big for God to use, but never too small. God can't use anyone unless they recognize how small and sinful they are. Sometimes our own... We get, we get in our own way, you know, you know, our pride, our pride. You know, <clears throat> um, there's a phrase that says, uh, let go and let God. Um, a couple years ago, in fact, I think it was maybe two years ago, on vacation Bible school, you can help me if maybe that's, the, the, if the phrase was let go, let God. I think the focus was on Legos, remember when we were doing that. Let go and let God. Saw that same thing on a bumper sticker. Uh, I picked this rock up. In fact, I picked it up the uh, at Merrifield at the uh, Landscape Center, and I just happened to go through there. And that was just before Vacation Bible School, and we get this. And I was looking through, and I it caught my eye. These stones here, and I was looking through that pile of stones, and there was this stone. Let go and let God. It just happened to be that of the Vacation Bible School. Let go and let God. You can't read that on here, but it is written on this stone here. Let go and let God. What does that mean? Probably means let go of our agendas. Probably and you know we all have agendas. I mean it's not there's nothing wrong with planning out the next day, but letting go of your agenda. Many times my agenda was God, this is what I'm gonna do. Would you come alongside and bless me and bless you know the, the work that I'm gonna do? Uh, I've made this direction, I'm moving in this direction, uh, I've made this decision. Can you go ahead and just acknowledge that decision that I've made? That's making your own agenda. The other thing, too, is we do have a schedule. Pastor many times has talked about having a schedule, and he has a set schedule, and he has it on, in fact, he talks about it having on his phone. But then all of a sudden comes up, right in the middle of you know the morning, and it completely throws it off. Does, he, does the next call come in and say, Oh, wait a minute, you're not on my schedule. You're not on my agenda. Therefore, I'm not, I, you know, I'll put you a scratch you in for next week or something. You can't do that. And we shouldn't do that either. We should be flexible enough when it comes that we are willing to let go of that agenda. A lot of things, too, is another thing that we need to do is let go is let go of our idols. Our idols, the things that we find that we can't do without. I've got a whole basement of stuff that I can't do without. Yes, I'm, anybody who would want to just come and get it, I can certainly do without it. But I think many times we collect things. We we have a tendency to collect. Oh, this is I can't do without this, or uh, we we set such priorities on things. I mean, we're not going to take this stuff with us. Uh, but we have a tendency to put those priorities on there. Well, I, I have. I, I've done that. I've got collections and I put a lot of attention to it. And But if you put too much attention or that attention directs you away from God's work, and then we need to let go. And then we need to let go of ourselves. You know, sometimes we are our own worst enemy. You know, we... we Sometimes, well, again, I'll talk about myself because it's easier to talk about myself. You know, sometimes we are just too prideful. Prideful. Look what I did. Look what I've done, or look what I've accomplished. You know, and and we have a tendency to focus on I. You know, when you look at what Satan said when he was, you know, going out of heaven, uh, you know, what what did he what was his claim? I will. I will. I will. I will. I will. I. Three, five times, five, ten, five times we find that. I will. focus isn't on I, I. So I, I think we, what we need to do is let go and let God. I think this on this stone here it says a lot, just a few words, but there's a lot there captured in that those first those four words. Running out of time, so let me go ahead and share with you, since we're going into the new year, and some of the things that we talked about. And the the title of the message, again, was putting on the new man. Not just putting on the new man, but putting on the new man, the new woman, the new child. You know, anybody in terms of coming alongside and getting right with God. Here's a poem. It's anonymous, so I can't give you the author. A new year, a new beginning. The old year ends, a new begins, with pages clean and new, and what is written on each page will now depend on you. You can't relive the year that's passed, erasing every wrong. For once a year or day is spent, it is forever gone. But don't give up in dark despair if you have failed some test. Seek God's forgiveness And resolve henceforth to do your best. Resolve each precious day to do things good and kind and pure. Though days and years may pass away, these things shall still endure. You know not where your path may lead, nor what's beyond the hill. But know that God walks at your side if you still will do his will. All things are possible with God, though days be bright or dim, so do your best and know that you can leave the rest to him. The title of the message is, Putting on the New Man. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, dear Lord, for your patience your long-suffering. When you think about all of the things, maybe our failures, our setbacks, and the things that we've done wrong. But, dear Lord, You have said, let's move on. Let's put on the new man. Let's do it with Your power and the power of the Holy Spirit. Not dwell on the past, but look at this next year. And let's take on resolutions, but not in the form that we have in the past or we think about. But to be resolved to go ahead and continue to do those actions. And not let ourselves get in the way or other actions or other things. But, dear Lord, we know that we can't do it on our own because we would fail right away the next day. We need your help. And whether that's conviction or knocking on our head or taking some action or a test or a trial, but, dear Lord, uh, we're thankful. And we can be comforted knowing that you are always there. We can always rely on you. And how comforting that is, dear Lord. So, as we look to this next year, dear Lord, we ask for your help. We ask for your, help, your, your, your wisdom. We ask for grace and mercy. We ask for your love. We ask this in your Son's precious and holy name that we do pray. Amen.